morning. My name is Brent Sadakaholic. Um, huge honor for me to be talking to you guys um, today. My uh, sobriety date is October 21st, 2008, so I am but a, a wee lad in this program, um, as Pete might say. And uh, so it's really, um, it's really an awesome honor, uh, especially today being the 11th anniversary of our, the Breakfast Club, or at least we're close. We're, I don't think we're, we have that date pinned down, but it's, it's awfully close. And um, so my thanks go out to you guys. Um, I know that I have... Uh, there was there was one time I, I started uh, drinking and using when I was 16 years old. Um, went on for 18 years, and I know that during that time there was there was a stretch of of one year where I was able to white knuckle my way um, through not having a drink or a drug. But I will say that um, I was absolutely miserable for it. I was holding my breath. I was a time bomb. I was waiting for for that year to be up so that I could prove to everyone that I wasn't an alcoholic and I didn't need any help. And, um, and now I'm, I'm, I'm beyond that point and things are different. Things are, I, I don't feel like a ticking time bomb. I, um, and, and I, can't, I can't take any of the credit for that myself because I, I couldn't, I tried. I tried to do it myself and I couldn't. I needed help. I needed help from people like you. I needed God's help, although I couldn't admit it um, at the time. Um, so I'll start back at the beginning. Um, when uh, when I was two years old, my parents divorced. Um, there's there's some interesting kind of symmetry in my between my mom and my dad. Um, my mom is the the youngest of three sisters. My dad is the oldest of three brothers. Um, they married, they divorced when I was two. They both got remarried and quickly divorced, kind of rebound marriages. And then they both remarried again and um, had much longer uh, marriages that's that third time around. Uh, my mom is actually still married and, uh, and uh, not so much for my dad, but uh, that's why I don't take marital advice from him. Um, <laughs> but uh, my lovely wife, Marcy... Um, was kind enough to join us today, and um, and she has uh, tomorrow is actually uh, believe it or not tomorrow is our uh, 13 year anniversary of marriage, and uh, and we actually we dated for five years prior to that, so that that means that she's put up with me for 18 years, which is half of my life. I'm 36 years old. Um, and uh, you know, hats off to her because uh, she's she's obviously a saint for that. Um, we are in celebration uh, of our uh, anniversary. We are uh, we're going to go see a play today. It's uh, it's called what is it? Thirty nine steps. It's uh, it's a uh, something that's based on an old Alfred Hitchcock movie. It's a play, um, and you know, it, it being thirty nine steps, I'm I'm very interested to see what the next uh, twenty seven are all about. So, um, okay, that was my pitiful ex- excuse for humor. You won't hear any more of that uh, from me today. Okay, so, <laughs> um, so anyways, growing up, um, I, I don't know, always. Uh, I can't point to any one particular thing that made me an alcoholic. I think I was just born that way. I really do. Um, I can remember um, 
being very obsessive and fought as a kid. Uh, one of the one of the things I did when I was that started doing when I was pretty young was collecting coins. Um, and I remember, um, you know, every weekend begging my mom, let's go to the, let's go to the coin dealer, you know, let's go to the flea market and see what kind of coins we can find today. And you know, it's like every weekend just begging her, you know, and she she would complained that I was so one-track minded and I, I think I was. I was very obsessive as a child. Um, I also learned um, about being very secretive. Um, I think the <coughs> being raised in two different families um, and having to learn two different sets of rules um, had a big effect on me as far as uh, trying to please other people. Um, and try and and, uh, and 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 compartmentalizing my life. I think I think I did a lot of that. Um, my mom, uh, growing up, there were there were definitely things that uh, that I wasn't allowed to do on one side, and I was allowed to do on the other. Um, and and you know it was kind of uh, well, if your dad doesn't know about it, then it's okay. You know and. Um, while that may have been okay, um, it, it kind of—I don't know—it it kind of—I translated that. I took that in and I translated it to everything. Uh, you know, if to, to if you don't get caught, then you didn't do it. Um, you know, and that's just my—you know—it's my—I'm not trying to blame anything in my past for for what I am. It's just how I am and how I uh, how I translated things. How this alcoholic mind turned things around. Um, um, so, when I was very young, um, about six, I uh, started a uh, a relation, a very unhealthy relationship, um, which it took me years to kind of figure out because at the time I didn't really realize it, but it was um, it was an abusive relationship with um, a caretaker that was about six years older than me, um, and. You know, I was just a I was just a curious kid, and uh, she was probably also a curious kid. I was six; she was twelve, and uh, that relationship. The reason I mention it is, first of all, I, I went for years thinking that I was like the only one who had to deal with anything like that, and uh, and I think, uh, you know, later in life when I was looking for reasons to justify my actions and justify why I had to drink and use. Um, I could point to that, and I could grab onto it, and uh, and I don't know. I, I learned in, in rehab. Um, I met another guy who had very was went through a very similar situation, and uh, you know, after talking about it with him for a while, we we realized that it didn't matter what happened when we were kids. We would have picked something that happened, and in order to justify our drinking and using, I mean, it it really didn't matter. But one thing I will say about that was that it really, really reinforced the whole idea of keeping things secret, um, of, of hiding, you know, deep, dark secrets that no one need, can know about. Um, and I, I don't know. I just grew up that way. I just I grew up um, doing my best to, to be different around different people. I have uh, I have some relatives that live out in Cartersville and I'm sure you guys are, are familiar. They all they live out on a farm and um you know I don't have a whole lot of an accent. 
Um, but you know, when when I when I hang out with them, it it, it kind of slides a little bit, and and after a while, before you know it, I'd I'd be talking just like them, and you know, we'd be talking about going down to the city, and you know, <laughs> stuff, you know, and 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 that's how it was for me. I'd slide into that accent, I'd slide into their mannerisms, in order to to get along better with them. Um, another thing. Um, that I did a lot um, as a as a kid. I kind of got into it pretty young. Um, was acting, um, and acting for me was a huge escape. Um, I had a I went to a, a school that didn't have a football team. It was kind of a small school, and uh, so one of the big draws there was was their acting program. They had a really good director, and they actually still have a really good director, who teaches you um, no acting, please, which basically means that when you portray a part, you are to actually become the character. You're not actually, you're not up there acting the part. You're you're up there and you're becoming the character. Um, and to me, that was that was an escape. That was becoming someone other than me. Um, and I did quite a bit of that. I uh, from. So in five years, I did 18 plays. So that's you know that's sort of a testament to to uh, the obsessive nature of, of myself and uh, and even before I started using and and drinking and uh, um, later on um, when I did finally uh, you know around 16 started ex- experimenting with drinking. Um, it was the same thing. It it, it caught on. It, it changed who I was. Changed what how I felt about myself. Um, and somehow I had uh, I had these this this feeling that there was something more out there, you know, and that somehow I could unlock this secret world um, by the use of alcohol. And uh, so I pretty much drank. As, as often as I could, um, I can remember some of the, the the first times that I drank was you know just I was that little kid who would go up and and uh, get a sip of beer from his dad and uh, alcoholism by the way runs in my family um, both my grandfathers on either side one of them um, Used to actually run moonshine uh, back in the day, and uh, and he quit drinking after an automobile accident um, that uh, you know where he his wife was was injured and and actually um, you know my grandmother had she her her voice you could hear in her voice where the the results of that accident happened um, and uh, he quit drinking from that point on. Um, my other grandfather, I don't know the specifics, but I do know that at some point in his life he, he quit drinking. He made the conscious decision to quit drinking. Um, my mom, as a kid, had uh, eating disorders, which I'm told after being through the whole rehab experience is the same type of you know, genetic stuff can lead you to that. Um, you know, and my dad, while he, uh, he, he's not really... I don't know. I don't know if that I would classify him an alcoholic, um, but I definitely would say that he struggles with addiction. He uh, he had a uh, 
I guess about 18 years ago, he had a massive, massive heart attack um, and uh, actually coded two or three times, and uh, they had to revive him. And afterwards, they gave him six months to live. He um, was a two-pack-a-day smoker before then. He tried to follow their advice um, by changing his diet, by, um, you know, not smoking for a while, and he was so miserable, he decided that he would rather die with his cigarettes and happy than, than uh, to, to lead a, a miserable life with, with no, no joys, was kind of the way he put it to me. And uh, that was 18 years ago. He's still alive, so he <laughs> he kind of proved he kind of I don't I don't know how what happened. He uh, you know <laughs> so much for medical science. Um, but anyways, the uh, you know he's just too stubborn. This is what it boils down to. He uh, but anyways, that's that's uh, those are my origins, and uh, so I, I definitely. You know, when I combined all this stuff from from my uh, from my childhood, as far as as far as the deep dark secrets, as far as trying to be someone else to please other people, and uh, when I mix that with drugs and alcohol, it it was uh, it was inevitable. Um, I can remember a couple of a couple of old stories. Um, one. One of the first Fourth uh, of Julys that it may have been the first Fourth of July that we dated, my wife and I, um, was um, a big party uh, held by a friend of mine and uh, a real close friend, but uh, but definitely someone that you know I ran around with looking for trouble. Um, and uh, I just remember, um, I mean, he had a he had a, a plastic bottle of vodka. And I just remember at some point in the night, things got crazy enough to where I was out laying on his um, driveway, and he had that bottle of vodka, and he was squeezing it into my mouth. And instead of doing the, the sensible thing of, oh, no, no, stop, stop, I loved it. I don't, you know, it was insane, but I thought, wow, this is awesome. You know, someone else is getting me completely hammered. And, you know, of course, that night... You know, um, um, my uh, my girlfriend at the time, my my current wife, was terrified because I basically was suffering from alcohol poisoning. I was uh, I had wet the sleeping bag, was completely drenched in urine. I was shaking and throwing up, dry heaving, and they were, you know, this is something I don't even remember, but but they were, you know trying to c- contemplate whether or not I, they needed to call the hospital, you know. And, uh, you know, there, there are countless things like that that happen. Um, I suffered and continue to suffer uh, from all-or-nothing thinking. Um, I have to really, today, um, temper those thoughts with prayers <laughs> because, uh, because that's a lot of what... Um, of, of what this program about is about is is just moderation, you know. Um, someone in someone in rehab uh, put put it like, and, I, and I've heard it several times. But when uh, when you're drinking and using, life is like is is up and down. It's like a roller coaster, and sobriety is a nice, steady, even plane. And 
I like the, the nice, steady, even playing. I, I, I used to think that that was going to be boring and terrible. And, um, you know, one thing that this program has given me is a big shift in perspective. Uh, it's probably one of, the, one of the biggest things that it's given me. Um, before I came into this program, my, my grandfather was a deacon, <laughs> the one actually who, who used to run Moonshine, was a deacon in the, uh, <laughs> in the, in the Baptist church. And, uh, and so we went to church pretty regularly. Um, I guess he was making up for his wild days, you know. And uh, so we went to church pretty regularly as a kid. And I don't know what happened. I really don't. I, I know that at some point along the way, I kind of rebelled. I kind of said, why are we doing this? What's the point? Um, you know, this was the back uh, around the time when um, all the stuff was coming out about, um, you know, Tammy Faye and Jim Baker and all this, you know, and I had all these reasons to point to. I could point as far back, you know, like it says in the big book, I could point as far back as the Crusades and say, ah, oh, see what God does for for man, you know? It's, you know, and so I had all these reasons not to believe in God. And, and I really firmly believed that man created God and not the other way around. Um, I was, uh, you know, I, I saw, I don't know, I, I think I saw some value in religion. Um, but I couldn't make that leap. I couldn't make that leap of faith for myself. I, I sort of envied people who could um, because they seemed so much more content. Um, and I didn't understand how they could fool themselves like that, you know? Um, and, and I was just such a cynic, um, you know? It's like that, uh, that dyslexic agnostic who sits up till the wee hours of the morning contemplating the existence of dog. Um, that's, that's really deep, sorry. Um, and <laughs> um, so anyways, one of the hugest gifts that this program has brought me is, is faith, is um, a belief in a higher power. Um, and it had to be termed to me, to me this way. I think um, because of my very rebellious nature and because I didn't like to have authority tell me how things were, um, that this program had the answer for me. It had um, a God of my understanding, which, I mean, those, that key phrase there is, was everything to me in, in discovering spirituality. Um, when, I, uh, when I left... Um, high school, went off to college. That's when things really erupted as far as my drinking was concerned. Um, I started uh, dealing pot and uh, my drinking ex escalated as did my drug use. Um, I, I probably tried every, I, I tried everything I could get my hands on is what it boiled down to. Um, there were maybe only I can only remember one time in my existence that uh, that someone offered me a, a a type of drug that I'd never had before, and I turned it down. I mean, so that's that's pretty uh, sad when you think back on it. Um, one, um, I do remember 
going to Georgia, I was not a, I was not a uh, football fan when I went there. I, I went there and, and was working at, a, at Longhorns and would work game days, and it was not a problem for me um, because there was alcohol there. And uh, so that, that made working in a restaurant really cool. Um, you know, towards the end of the night, magically, a pitcher of beer would show up back in the kitchen, and it would just slowly disappear. No one asked any questions. No one carded anybody. Um, but later on, um, I got in with some friends who were big into Georgia football, and, and it, to me, became my religion. Uh, it became the reason to get up on, on Saturday mornings and start drinking. And, uh, and so that was it. It was also, however, a huge point of contention between my uh, current wife uh, and, and myself at that point. Um, we kind of fell into this terrible routine to where we would uh, have horrible fights on Saturday night uh, after the game and, uh, you know, make up on uh, Sunday or Monday with tears and, and you know, apologies and promises about, you know, being better and doing better in the future and and uh, and then the next week start the whole cycle over again. Um, anyone who has battled with addiction knows that, that it's very cyclical in nature. Um, and it was a terrible cycle, you know, to be caught in. It, it continued on and on. I do remember one, uh, <laughs> one of the days after a... Uh, Think it, I think it was after a loss, a Georgia loss. It w- would make the, as much, the only sense that it could make. Um, it was a day game. We got very, very drunk going in. We snuck liquor into the place. We, um, we lost the game, and Brent took off on his own. That, that sometimes is what I would do. Um, and I remember wandering into a bar, being stumbling into a bar would, would probably be a better description, and uh, the next thing I remember was being escorted out by the, the two bouncers because Brent had decided to take a nap on the bar, and they didn't think that was a good idea. Um, so in my blind stupor, I was walking towards uh, the apartment um, where my buddies were waiting for me, I'm sure, and um, I just I knew I wasn't going to make it. Um, I had forgot to use the facilities uh, before leaving the bar that they escorted me out, to, out of, and uh, so I decided, you know, it would be a good idea. I could just duck around the corner here, relieve myself, and be on my way. So I ducked around the corner, relieving myself, and I get tapped on the shoulder by one of Athens' finest. Um, little did I know at the time, the corner that I happened to duck around was the downtown Athens Police Department. <laughs> so... Um, not a very observant drunk. Uh, my, my buddies who were probably just, well, maybe a shade less drunk than I was, were called and actually drove down to pick me up. And for some reason, I guess, you know, game day in Athens is quite a uh, spectacle. And, uh, you know, the cops had plenty of things to worry about. And they figured uh, they knew the address that I was going to. And they knew it wasn't very far. So I guess they let us slide. Um, I should have been in jail I should have been in accidents. Um, I drank so much uh, from the time I was 18 to 21 that I very, very seriously considered giving up alcohol then. I knew, I knew even at that time that it was that it was a problem for me. Um, 
of course, the the solution to that problem for me was another substance. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't going clean and sober. That wasn't uh, that wasn't the idea for a long, long time. Um, I went on um, pretty much doing the same old thing. Uh, in in college, my uh, buddy and I started a, a contracting uh, company painting mostly uh, to start with and, and we did you know deck building and we mostly turned apartments it was Athens there were a lot of uh, kids coming in and out uh, and we would turn apartments uh, for that was our big cash crowd and uh, that lifestyle <laughs> left me all the freedom I wanted to drink and use the way I wanted to um, and we did that for for probably five years or so um, and uh, eventually, I got to the point. Um, there's a there's a Dave Matthews song with the lyrics, uh, "23 and so tired of life, such a shame to throw it all away." And uh, I, that that really embodied because there was a time when I just felt like uh, I felt like my life wasn't going anywhere. You know, I was mid twenties. Um, Stuck trying to chase a degree that I didn't really want, you know, uh, trying to get a piece of paper that I wasn't going to use, and uh, um, drinking more and more. You know, it went from it went from a, a six pack a night to a twelve pack a night to a, a case a night on the weekends, and and it was you know it was just out of out of control. Um, Yeah, so eventually those thoughts, um, you know, I, and I was dealing, so I was I was dealing drugs, so I had a lot of paranoia. I had a lot of, uh, of worry uh, all the time. It seemed like, uh, you know, I could I could drink or use to get rid of, of these feelings, and then they'd come back twofold at the end. Um, it was uh, it was it was a terrible cycle. Um, somewhere in all that. The depression finally kind of got to me. I kind of realized that this wasn't the way that I wanted my, the rest of my life to go. And so I started looking around for options. The, um, the business hadn't taken off quite the way we uh, had uh, planned. It seemed like any time we found someone who was interested enough uh, for, to work for us, um, that we would you know, lend them cars and equipment to go do jobs and uh, one, one guy in particular had a bad habit of uh, going to the pawn shop for crack money you know which just seemed like it just seemed like we were we were drawing the same kind of people that we were you know <laughs> and uh, and they were not to be trusted with our business and <laughs> so so, uh, so anyways my uh, my girlfriend at the time was uh, was going uh, to nursing school I had always been kind of a science guy and uh I don't know. I uh, from hanging around with her, seeing her study groups, it sounded interesting to me, you know. And uh, and when I initially went to uh, college, I had planned on being pre-vet, so all that stuff was was uh, pretty interesting. Uh, what I wound up getting was was a psychology degree. When when things uh, when I finally boiled down to you better get something and go. And uh, that was the piece of paper I got, and it, it lent itself nicely to uh, 
to a nursing program. I think I took one more quarter of courses and I had all the prerequisites. And I went ahead and uh, applied to nursing school, um, got engaged to be married, uh, decided I was changing the course of my life. Um, went through all that great, decided uh, very early in nursing school, as soon as I realized that there was something called uh, a nurse anesthetist, um, that really, you know, piqued my interest. It, it, it seemed like, well, that's the guy who puts you to sleep. He's the one who gives you all the drugs when you're having surgery. And I just thought, wow, you know, I can draw on my experience as a drug dealer and become a legalized drug dealer. You know, it just it seemed to make sense to me, you know, a, a drug dealer with a license. You know, who would have thought it? Um, so, so that's the way I went. I, I kept, uh, you know, I went through with nursing school, got out of the business. Uh, worked for uh, a year at St. Joseph's, um, uh, went, and, and you know, I, I think somewhere in the back of my mind, I was always planning to go down that road, even though I knew, um, I knew it was not the thing to do, because um, throughout all this, I was still drinking and using. Um, got accepted to an anesthesia program up in Pittsburgh, moved up there, thought it would be a great geographical cure. Uh, get away from all those party guys, um, get away from my weed connections. I had quit dealing at that point, um, and I could go up to Pittsburgh and concentrate on my studies and make something of myself. That is when I really learned that I was an alcoholic. Um, there are three different, three different times that I went to Alcoholics Anonymous to start with. first time was as a nursing student and uh, as an observer, and I thought, man, <laughs> these poor guys, I mean, <laughs> I sure would hate to be in their shoes, right? Um, next time was in Pittsburgh. Um, being that I had no other substance uh, to quiet the noise in my head, um, to, to take away that feeling of a ticking time bomb, um, I fell in really, really heavy with, with drinking. Um, hiding bottles around the house, drinking vodka. Um, that was, uh, a, it was really, really bad. And I'm, I wound up, I was always very, um, had a very good work ethic. Um, I think uh, that I missed, uh, when I worked for Longhorns, I, I missed one day of work there due to the alcohol. Um, and then I missed, uh, I missed one day of clinical as, uh, due to alcohol. In uh, in Pittsburgh, and that was my uh, my second introduction to AA. My wife kind of gave me an ultimatum. She said, "You know, I can move back home if that's what needs to happen." Um, and I said, "No, no, honey, I'm going to fix this. We're going to get this all worked out." Um, so I went to AA for I don't know. I, I promised to try it for maybe six or seven times, something like that. We drew up contracts. We made promises. Um, and I decided that AA wasn't for me because of this big G-O-D word on the, uh, on the wall that scared me half to death. Um, graduated. Um, that was when, by the way, the, the, the year that I managed to white-knuckle it. That was after that point, um, I, I gave up, didn't use anything for a year. And was, you know, once, once that was over... Um, it was just very quickly, within nine months of that year being over, 
I was um, drunk in public at a at a wedding function um, with my pregnant wife, and uh, you know, and thinking, how did this happen? Um, you know, I thought I had this all under wraps, and uh, so you know, the answer then was just you know, it was switching switching substances again. Um, I had to try to keep finding the right combination until uh, until things worked out. Um, my daughter was born um, a little over four years ago. I think that was the first time I truly wanted to change things because um, I wanted to be a good example for her. Um, but I couldn't do it. I felt I could uh, I could go for a little while and uh, feeling miserable, feeling terrible um, before I would use or drink again. Um, and it, and it was never anything good that came of it. Um, not exactly sure why I made the jump, but at some point I knew alcohol wasn't working for me. Um, Marcy could, she'd been around me long enough to be able to tell when I'd been smoking. Um, so those things weren't, I couldn't hide. Uh, my use well enough anymore. I decided I'd try something different. Being in anesthesia, those drugs were readily available to me. Um, you don't necessarily give all of what you you pull out of the pixels to your patient, and so I was kind enough to soak up the excess. Um, and that was a very slippery slope. Um, I kind of, in in a way, I really am, am kind of thankful. <laughs> That it, that, I, that it came to that for me because it got me here a lot quicker than alcohol would have. I think I could have, I think I could have banged against my head against the wall for another 10 years pretty easy. Um, you know, trying to, trying to, if I hadn't have made that leap. I don't know what it was. I think it was desperation. I think it was uh, a cry for help. I knew I was crossing a line that I shouldn't be crossing. Um, and... Uh, Eventually, you know, first of all, it was just a, you know, I, I justified it. There's a lot of justification in my head of, um, well, you know, alcohol is completely out of the question. I can't handle that. Marijuana stays in your, in your system for two weeks, so I'm worried about passing drug screens. And, well, wait, if I use this other stuff, it's out of your system in two or three days. That means I'm only dirty at work for, like, one day out of the week. I can party on the weekends, and everything will be cool. And... Um, and that worked for a couple of weeks, and then it became a daily thing. And, uh, and then I was trapped. And it became um, the most physical necessity um, that I've ever felt before. And, um, and it was no longer a um, question of getting high. It was just a question of trying to feel normal. And, and that's all it was. And but it was so hard to let go of. Um, it took me getting caught several times um, before I uh, was able to decide in my true self that that I was done. Um, my wife caught me a couple of times. Um, I tried to play it off, say it was you know uh, I was just trying it or make it up any whatever BS I thought she would buy and. Um, eventually I went, tried to get um, 
some outpatient help. She wanted, she begged me to go to rehab, and I wouldn't do it. I, uh, when I was in nursing school, I worked as a as an MHA mental health associate in a rehab center in Athens, and I knew what that was all about, and I wasn't interested. And uh, I was better than that, I guess. And so um, I, I went for some outpatient help. Uh, they put me on this uh, stuff called Suboxone, which uh, is an opiate agonist antagonist, and in my eyes kept tickling receptors that didn't need to be tickled, um, you know, because I wasn't clean. I wasn't, I was still putting something in my system that I had to put in. I could tell when I didn't have it, it, it definitely changed uh, the way I felt. Um, what finally did it for me was um, getting caught at work. Um, after one relapse, my, the, the second relapse that I had after trying to get some, some uh, help, um, I finally got caught at work with, a, with an IV in my foot, uh, basically passed out on a bathroom floor in a hospital um, after a shift. And, um, you know, that, my, my uh, boss said, you got to go to rehab. Um, we'll save your job for you. Um, but you got to go, go to rehab and get help. Um, that was the beginning. Uh, you know, I finally had hit that bottom. I, I just remember that first night in rehab. Right before I went to sleep, I felt like the world had been lifted from my shoulders. I, I mean, despite how terrible everything was leading up to it, I finally felt like, ah, I can, I can quit pretending. This, they're going to help get me clean and, and I can live the way I, I should live. Um, that's when I finally opened my, my mind and that was my third uh, entrance into, into AA because in rehab, you know, first night there, what do we do at 8 o'clock? March on down, hit the AA uh, meeting, you know? And, and I was just like, when, as soon as I realized what it was, I was like, this again, huh? Okay. <laughs> All right, I give, I give. I'm going to give it a try. And, uh, and, and God, for me, was um, very early. I mean, group of drunks, good orderly direction. Good, or, good orderly direction made the most sense to me. Um, um, and, and eventually, I could uh, make the leap and just say God. I mean, there was, there was definitely probably you know, six months there where I, I, I couldn't really say God and, and mean it. Um, I was all wrapped up in, in old images and old thoughts about God. And, uh, I mean, the truth is that God's just a word. It doesn't, it can't fully define my higher power. Um, nothing can. Um, I did, uh, I, I, was, uh, I was in Ridgeview for 14 weeks. Um, I came out. My boss kind of did me a favor, but uh, in he was trying to do me a favor, I'll say that. But in hindsight, it probably wasn't the best of things for me. Um, this I was told by my uh, nursing group at Ridgeview. They very strongly suggested that I not go back into work. Um, but I did, and within five weeks, um, I had relapsed on nitrous oxide, which, uh, you know, it's one of those things that's readily available in a hospital when you're working nights alone, um, and uh, 
I managed to, to, the disease, I should say, managed to convince me that that wouldn't count. Um, I had, uh, while in rehab, I, <laughs> it's kind of funny, I, 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 on the way into rehab that morning, I stopped, and I, I wasn't, especially then, I was never really a huge smoker, but, but um, then I definitely wasn't. Um, but I decided I was going to be smoking in rehab because what else are you going to do in rehab? And <laughs> so I bought I bought two uh, cartons of cigarettes going into rehab, and within the first week of um, of dealing with the withdrawals from the opiates that I had been on, I felt so absolutely sick and miserable that I probably only got through maybe two packs of those cigarettes. I, I quit smoking. I felt like, okay, this is a sign I, I should quit smoking, and uh, and wound up, you know, selling those, those cigarettes in rehab at a cut price uh, just to get rid of them. But uh, I don't know the. Uh, the point of it was, oh, and then, okay, so I had sworn off cigarettes then. Well, I finally broke that. I finally, after, it was, it was getting real close to, to when the twins were being born. And, uh, and we were supposed to have a C-section on the 8th, um, 8808 was the date. And then Eli decided to turn at the last minute, because they were both breached. Eli decided to turn, and it, we were going to be... Uh, sent in on a Tuesday instead of Friday to, um, to to be induced. And I don't know why, but I broke. Uh, I just said, I can't handle this, and I need a cigarette. And looking back, that was the, that was the beginning of my relapse um, because I was hiding it. I, w- I didn't tell anyone about it. Um, I didn't tell my wife about it, and I hid it. And, and it just was, it was slipping back into my old, old ways and old thinking. Um, today, honesty is absolute keystone um, for me uh, in my recovery. I, I have to be, I have to try to live transparently. Um, when I did come back in and, uh, and, and pick up my white ship after losing my job, um, I, uh, I went into a, a, another meeting, I think um, maybe the Canton group or something like that, went in. Um, to pick up my white chip, and they didn't have any white chips. So some very creative person punched out the bottom of a styrofoam cup for me and wrote the, word, the, the letters AA on it. And uh, so this is my actual white chip for my sobriety. Um, what I love about it is that it's imperfect and it's very fragile, just like my recovery. Um, I, don't, I don't have to be perfect today. All I have to do is... Uh, work each day uh, on spiritual growth. Um, the gifts of recovery are countless. I live in gratitude today, whereas um, in the past I was not grateful for anything. I took everything for granted. Um, today I've got, I've got three beautiful kids, beautiful wife, wonderful family. Um, God has taken care of me. It, it, as soon as I lost my job and um, I was in huge fear and it was that it was that push I needed to make the spiritual um, leap um, of, of trusting God and putting my life in God's hands 
Um, when I did that, amazing things started happening. Um, God took care of me in ways that I would not have ever thought possible. Um, and he's, uh, he's allowed me to spend a, a lot of time at home um, uh, taking care of the kids. Um, I've, I've been able to paint my house. I've been able to do some amazing things. Um, and I don't know. The best thing is um, that I'm happy about coming to AA today. Um, I, I love to come to these meetings. I go to about five a week. Um, I take a I take a drug called naltrexone, which is an opiate blocker. Um, I do that because of suggestions that my addictionologist makes to me. Um, I'm in a program where I meet with a group of uh, nurses in recovery once a week. I meet with an aftercare group once a week. I I know today that anything I put ahead of my recovery, I will I will lose. Uh, I take that very seriously. I know this is. Um, this is life and death. And um, I think that's all I have to say about that. <laughs>